evil cross this door we just sang and this is a prayer isn't it it's a hope more than a command because do we have that power we understand don't we that there is trouble in our world There's danger, and we long for goodness, and we long for peace, and so we sing, and though these sheltering walls are thin, may they be strong to keep hate out and hold love in. That was so beautiful to sing. I feel like we could sing that every week for a while. Our worship theme for this month of February is evil. And I wonder what you think about that. Some of us would rather not think about it at all, right? It could be kind of nice to push it away, to keep it out there somewhere, to think more pleasant thoughts. May nothing evil cross this door because it's a scary and uncertain world enough, isn't it? But it's good for us to consider evil because what we push away, what we are unwilling to deal with, what we refuse to deal with, it can have a hidden power over us. And I sense that evil is not just out there. It's in here, too. As much as I would rather not acknowledge that. That each of us, as much as We mean well as much as we may try to do good. We have the potential to do things that are hurtful and harmful. So we need to be in touch with our shadow sides as well as with our light. So about evil. Do you believe that there's free-floating evil out there in the world? That you can catch it like a cold if you're not careful or if you're unlucky? Do you believe in evil personified? Do you think there's a devil who goes around tempting us? or that there are evil spirits around us. And what about this? Are there evil people? 
These are big questions without simple answers. And since the beginning of time, people have wondered about these things. People have asked why bad things happen. And why do we do bad things? I am not someone who believes that everything happens for a reason. Boiled down, sometimes at rock bottom, particularly in the face of things I can't explain, sometimes my theology is like that simple two-word bumper sticker. I'm not going to say it in this pulpit. (laughs) Stuff happens. Stuff happens, and then we have to choose, we get to choose how we are going to respond. With fear or with love. And in my experience, that is where we meet the holy. When we are in the middle of that hard stuff, we meet the holy in our attempted response and also in our broken, open hearts. And, you know, too often, people under pressure don't respond well. Sometimes we do, but sometimes we don't. You know about Salem, Massachusetts, how it's famous for its witch trials back in the late 17th century. What you may not know is just over there in what's now North Andover, that happened there too. And over there in that town back then, more people were accused of being witches and more people were arrested than in any other place in New England. In fearful and in anxious times, we don't always respond well. Here, right here in this area back then, innocent people were accused and arrested and some of them were killed because of fear. Because folks were afraid and they were looking for someone to blame. I don't believe in the devil. I don't think there's free-floating evil out there in the world. I see these as human inventions, as ways to project our fears onto something else, onto someone else, which shouldn't we be outgrowing by the 21st century? But it feels good, doesn't it, to say that, oh, the evil, it's all out there. Because that way we get to keep it at a safe distance. But when we do this, it becomes so easy to vilify others who are different from us. It becomes so easy to deny their humanity. And you know, once you call someone evil, you can justify doing anything to them in the name of order, in the name of safety for the good 
of the church or the good of the nation. These days we hear so many messages from the media, from our friends and family and co-workers, from preachers and from politicians. And we can't help but be influenced by these for good and for ill. You know, I think, that over the last few years, the incidents of hate crimes have gone up significantly in our country. And I have to believe that our president's angry and divisive rhetoric is at least partly to blame. That he has demonized some people and he has worked to inflame other people. He has given them tacit permission to act on their prejudices and their fears. Whether intentional or not, I don't know what's in his heart, but in this way, he has helped to unleash evil in our land. As people of faith, aren't we called to speak up for what is right and to speak out about what is wrong? And at the same time, to be careful not to demonize those we oppose. Do you remember a few weeks ago when one day in Washington a reporter asked Nancy Pelosi if she hated the president? She was walking off this stage and she stopped in her tracks and she turned around and she looked him in the eye and she said, I don't hate anybody. She said, I was raised Catholic, and we don't hate anybody. I loved that moment. And I confess that I hope it's not just because I agree with her politically. I don't think it is. But I loved how she articulated how her faith informs her values and how she lives. She said, I pray for the president all the time. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said to those everyday common people, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You know, This is not easy, but it is how we become better people. It's how we help to build the common good. It's how we heal rather than harm. And the stakes are high these days. It's sobering to realize that it's often well-meaning people who end up doing evil in the name of good. I have to trust that U.S. Border Patrol agents are mostly good people who believe that they are helping keep their country safe by enforcing its laws. And then they are tasked with putting children into cages. 
and not letting asylum seekers come across our border, which certainly looks like evil to me. When a group of people starts to possess a sense of sureness about their religion, about their nation, about the rightness of their cause, it's time to watch out because that's often the start of actions that will be oppressive and harmful to others. So we should be careful when we start feeling too self-righteous. We would do well to look past our own good intentions to try to understand the impact that we have on others. We need to have the courage to look inside our own hearts and souls and make an honest accounting of what we find there. Those of you who have done some work around racism and our nation's culture of white supremacy, you know how hard and uncomfortable this work can be and also how liberating. The invitation is to look inside and to do your own work. And is there anyone among us who couldn't use a little work? And this is not for the faint of heart or for those who aren't willing to change. But isn't it why you're here? in this church and in these lives and on this earth to be renewed, transformed, awakened, come more alive, exploring your own shadow side can allow you, as John O'Donohue wrote, to no longer be haunted by ghost structures of old damage. Doing this work can help to set you free. We just heard David White's poem about the intensity of the examined life. Here again a few lines, his insistent call. I want to know if you know how to melt into that fierce heat of living falling toward the center of your longing. I want to know if you are willing to live day by day with the consequence of love and the bitter, unwanted passion of your sure defeat. This work of looking inside of doing your own inner work, it will feel defeating sometimes. And it will be liberating sometimes. And what's the alternative? You don't want to go through your days hiding, do you? Not being in touch with what is real. You don't want to go through life unaware of your impact on others, making messes 
leaving a trail of destruction in your wake. Nobody wants that. We each have parts of ourselves that we don't often show, that we may like to pretend don't exist because we're ashamed or embarrassed by our rough edges. But unless we get in touch with and acknowledge that shadow side, we can find that it will come out in unhelpful ways that can cause harm. There's a folk singer named Greg Brown, and he wrote a song about this. It's called, I Don't Know That Guy. Here's a couple of verses. Me, I'm happy, go lucky, always ready to grin. I ain't afraid of loving you, ain't fascinated with sin. So who's this fellow in my shoes making you cry? I don't know that guy. I've heard him complaining about piddly little stuff. I've watched him do nothing and say he can't get enough or blame his mama and daddy for the world passing by. I don't know that guy. I don't know that guy. This spiritual work that we are engaged in, this work of growing up, of being more mindful and self-aware, it requires getting to know yourself, your light and your shadow, so you don't find yourself someday saying, I don't know that guy. It's a lifelong project, this work of becoming. Sometimes you do it alone, and some of it you do with others. And this is my prayer for us, for each of you and for myself, that we will lean in to that fierce heat of living, that we will live day by day with the consequence of love, and that this will be our song. Not, I don't know that guy, but this will be our song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Amen. Thank you.